0: Good morning. It is indeed good to be here as um, <clears throat> we have gathered together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and we're here to worship Him. We're here to fellowship all in unity in one spirit, under one banner, in the banner of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so this morning we're going to continue through our study uh, through the Gospel of Mark as we um, are picking back up. Uh, the last uh, couple weeks or so have been completely um, focused on uh, the triumphant, triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Um, when he set his face to Jerusalem, it was to do one thing and one thing only, and that was to go to be crucified, to atone for our sins, to be laid in the grave, and three days later be raised from it. Conquering not only sin on the cross, but also death by being resurrected. And so we did that for the last couple weeks, just focusing in on that. And as Ray had, had said, that is the whole reason that uh, we gather together. Uh, if it wasn't for the, uh, the the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we would, of all people, be the most... ...should be the most pitied because we have absolutely nothing to rejoice over. We have no hope whatsoever and yet we have a certain hope in Jesus Christ. And so we've gathered here today to rejoice in that and to draw closer to the Lord as we study God's word... ...gain understanding, apply it to our lives by faith and then glorify him by the manner in which we conduct ourselves... You know, as we gain knowledge, what that becomes to us in the application of that knowledge is wisdom. You know, sometimes we think that knowledge is wisdom. Knowledge is not wisdom. Uh, Understanding isn't wisdom either. It's the proper application, the right application of that knowledge that starts to become wisdom for us. That's what we can pass along to others as they deal with certain circumstances in their lives that they would benefit from those words of wisdom and how to rightly apply God's word in various situations. And so, you know, that's we're here to do that's what we're here to do, to, to grow in our in in our knowledge and our understanding of God, and then go out and apply it. For faith without works is dead, right? So let's glorify the Lord. Uh, we're gonna begin by reading. Mark chapter 8 is where we are. We finished up Mark chapter 7. The title of this morning's message is Faith, Pharisees, and the Blind. Faith, Pharisees, and the Blind. Mark chapter 8, verse 1. I'm just going to read a few verses, in fact, four, the first four of those. Uh, In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away, hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? Oh, Father, as we read just these first few verses. Lord, I pray that for us that as we've been going through the gospel of Mark, that perhaps you would bring to our remembrance that previous occasion not too long ago where Jesus fed the 5,000. And how it is that these disciples in the moment really were being tested. Being presented with a concern that was on your heart. That perhaps in the moment they would respond in a way that reflects a belief in you and faith. and Lord, knowing that with you, Lord, these things are not impossible to overcome or... To tend to, I pray, Lord, that this morning, Lord, as we go through these verses, Lord, that you would speak to us individually and corporately as a church. Lord, that you would grow our faith. You would strengthen what measure of faith you have given to us. That we would, with great understanding, exercise that faith. To bless and honor you. And Lord, I know that we will be better off for doing so. And so, Lord, we commit this time of study into your hands, Lord. As always, we ask for your blessing, your anointing. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, I want to read those verses again. Let's think about what we're going through as, as in those days when, again, a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat. So there were thousands of people there. They had nothing to eat. He called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And here's his disciples' response. His disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? You know, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We know Ephesians 2.8 very well. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. As we have just read, the expression of faith in Jesus is required to bless Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him. We know that it starts with salvation, though. Faith in Jesus, as it says in Ephesians 2.8, is necessary, is required to know salvation. Faith is the very substance of things hoped for, according to God's word. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. You know, as we doubt, as we worry, as we're anxious about so much, as we're concerned for so many things, we're expressing a lack of faith. And yet, That is what I was saying at the very beginning, that by understanding how to apply God's word, knowing that God's word is certain, he has never failed, we bring him glory and we're exercising faith. And we are better off for it. But why why is it that sometimes we seem to fail at faith? When previously we've expressed a faith and now we find ourselves in a similar situation and we just, we fail, we we lack to exercise that same faith. Is it because perhaps we don't know enough? If you're honest with yourself, it's not because you don't know enough. Many, especially if you've been here for any length of time, you know enough. You've been through the scriptures. So it's not really because we don't know enough. I mean, let me ask you this uh, How many of you uh, have flown in an airplane? Most of you, right? Did you know the name of your pilot? Did you, did you see him go through school? Did you see his certificates? No? Did you quiz him? Did, maybe, maybe perhaps you saw a video of him actually flying. No? You guys don't do that? So you, you didn't see him flying? You don't... So wait a minute. So you don't actually know... Well, you, that's your son, Randy. That's not fair. So you didn't know, actually, that he could or she could fly the plane, right? Is that true? Seems to, be, seems to be blind faith. How'd you get here? Did you guys walk? Or drive? I trust probably all of you drove. You were in a vehicle and you got here. You know, you have to trust... You're going at such high rates of speed in opposite directions. The only thing that, that keeps you from going into the other lane and going head on with the, with the other driver is just this little line that's drawn in the middle of the road. And you based your drive here completely on faith. On faith that the people will stop when the red light turns when the light turns red and yours turns green and you go right you're having faith that they're going to stop that at the stop sign they're going to do what they're supposed to do now i know not everyone does what they're supposed to do but you you acted on faith to get here there are many things you trust with limited or no direct knowledge whatsoever. Airline pilots have failed. Drivers have failed. And even, even chairs have failed. Did you know that? You trusted as you fell back. Because it's a, it's a controlled fall. Is what it is. That when you fell back into your chair. That it would hold you up. You know I remember years ago. I was sitting down where you were. And. And I remember one of the worship leaders, not here, somewhere else, they sat down, I don't see a stool here, but they sat down on like one of the stools that we have. And as he sat down, he put his complete trust in that chair, and the whole thing folded, broke, and he went straight down. And I was rolling. I was laughing so hard, and but he didn't think it was very funny. Ray, would you think that's funny? No. See, he wouldn't think that would be very funny, but I thought it was really funny until I saw his face and then I I I did the same thing. I was like That wasn't funny. We put our complete trust in all of these things, but and yet we question God. And yet has he ever failed you? God has never failed. Never. You can see through Scripture how it is that he's, he's actually proved himself faithful over and over and over and over, and over again. Second Timothy chapter two, 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You see, it is our own hardness of heart caused by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's our desires for the things that lure us and make us think that perhaps they will satisfy us at some point. Rather than God. This morning, we'll see how Jesus gives his disciples another lesson in faith. Feeding over 4,000 with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. Warning them of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. In other words, fake faith. And then healing a blind man. It'll all come together. You see, as we consider what we're going over this morning, let us consider ourselves in light of what we just talked about our lack of faith, our lack of trust. Any of you have perfect faith? I know I don't. I need to learn how to be more faithful, more trusting in the Lord. Just as Jesus was patient with his disciples, then he is patient with his disciples today. I'm so thankful for that. His grace and his mercy, his compassion. Oh, he is so good. But let us not disbelieve and let us not have hard hearts. Let us not be hypocrites or slow in believing. I pray that this morning we may all be encouraged to fully trust in Jesus Christ and his faithfulness. To save, to build us up in our faith, and knowing with all of this that he is with us, and he is always there to help us in our time of need. We just simply need to trust in him. So, I broke it down this way. Verses 1 through 10, we'll see Jesus' miracle. Secondly, the Pharisees' hypocrisy. And finally, a blind man's healing. Let's begin with Jesus' miracle. Again, we'll start from the top. Verse 1, In those days when, again, a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread? Here in this desolate place. And he asked them. How many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves. And having given thanks he broke them. And gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them. He said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. So here we are. It's explained to us that three days this crowd, this great crowd that had been gathering around him, had been with Jesus for three days. They'd been following him, watching him heal and teach and confront the religious leaders, the Pharisees telling them that they are twisting God's word to fit their own man-made traditions, even leaving the commandment of God to hold to their traditions, and even rejecting, not just leaving, but rejecting the commandment of God to establish their own traditions. Well, the lessons will continue. Even in what we just went over, the lessons will continue. They always continue with Jesus. He is faithful to help us in in growing in our understanding, the clarity of our thought, perceiving things as they ought to be. And so he turns his attention to the thousands of people that are gathered there who have been following him all of this time. His compassion, his heart is is toward them, but it's always toward the disciples as well. And so he brings, he calls his disciples to himself. And he communicates his concern for the people. Isn't that Jesus? He draws us unto himself so that he can communicate to us his concern for others. Those who are lost. Those who are going down the wrong path. Those who are perceiving things in, in the wrong way, that we may shed light on the truth. When we say light, it's, it's truth. It's God's word. Nothing mystical, nothing we pull out from thin air and think up ourselves. Oh, be careful with doing that. But rather, he was bringing him unto himself, just as he does now, that we may share in those things that concern him. Jesus presents the concern to his disciples. He presents the issue to them. As if to say, what do you think we ought to do? Has Jesus ever done that with you? The Lord just laid before you. What do you think we ought to do? Not like he doesn't know, right? There's this issue I'm presenting to you. What would you do? I wonder how many of you thought of the previous occasion when Jesus fed the 5,000. Anyone think of that as we were reading through? You know, here we are with the 4,000. We've just gone over the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. But how do the disciples respond this time, knowing what they had just experienced not too long ago? In, verse, in chapter 6, in verse 34... It says when he went ashore he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things and when it grew late his disciples came to him and said this is a desolate place and the hour is now late send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat but he answered them you give them something to eat and they said to him shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat it was a bit of sarcasm. Right? It, was, it was disbelief with that question. You know, how Are we supposed to raise up one year's worth of wages in order to buy enough bread to feed these thousands of people? This is a desolate place. Send them away, Jesus. It seems as if they're coming across with, with some compassion. But this time Jesus brings them to him. He says, I have compassion over them. They're hungry. And if we send them away at this moment, there are many that are going to faint along the way. They're going to pass out. But it seems at this moment that the disciples are responding in the same way as they did before. They saw with their eyes, disbelieving anything that could be done before them. They couldn't believe. There's, there's nothing that can be done. After all, they were in a desolate place. They had nothing to draw from. No one to go to. There was nothing local that they could go and, and ask for food to give to these thousands of people. And they knew that they had a little bit of food. But notice what Jesus did this time. Verse 5 it says and he asked them how many loaves do you have how many loaves do you have and they simply answered seven this time Jesus didn't tell them go and see how much the people had but he asked them what they had what do you have in your possession seven loaves That's it. Sometimes that's our response. This is all I have. I, I have nothing to give. You are correct. You have you, me, we have nothing of any value to give to anyone. And yet God has entrusted to us just a little bit. Just be faithful with what you have. But hold it with open hands. Be willing to be generous, to give of yourself. For we are living sacrifices. We present ourselves to God. We are the ones who express our faith, our joy, our gratitude. We are the thanksgiving. It was when they replied that Jesus began to direct the crowd to sit down. All he said was seven loaves. And So you can imagine Jesus, all right, starts sitting down in groups, as he did last time, right? In order. He started to direct the crowd to sit down, took the seven loaves of bread. It doesn't say that he said anything else. He just simply took the seven loaves of bread. By the way, they're not loaves of bread. They're little loaves of bread. Small. Individual size. Like, small. Nothing. And he took them, he gave thanks, and then he began to break them up, giving them to his disciples to give to the people. We don't know what was going through the disciples' minds, but at this moment, I would be thinking back to the previous occasion like oh this looks familiar he's doing it again because i'm thinking perhaps they were thinking this why because when the disciples saw what he was doing they realized oh we also have a few fish and then jesus blessed them and told his disciples to give them out to the people as well you know, just a proper response. Oh, I remember I also have this, Lord. Can you use this? Absolutely, let's use that too. And then all eight, and we see how it ended up, all eight, and we're satisfied. And and then seven baskets were left over. They started with seven loaves of bread, and, and now they have seven full baskets left over. There's always enough with Jesus, and there's always enough to help us along the way as we go about our way with him. Always. There's never want, there's never need with him. We can be fully content and satisfied with what he provides for us. Are you content with that? You know, some Bible scholars can't believe that this could be a separate event from the previous event when he fed the 5,000. Why? Because they can't believe. They, they can't understand how it is that the disciples could have forgotten so quickly the previous lesson. Can you believe that? Do you know your own heart? It's not so, it's not so hard for me to believe that. Not with me. How quickly, how fickle we are. We can say we are full of faith out of one side of our mouths and express worry, doubt with the other side. I think many today perhaps are right in the same place. I've done the same thing or you're doing the same thing at this very moment. You see, God had been faithful to do the impossible with them. He's always been faithful to do the impossible with us. If you're here and you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, the impossible has been done with you already. And there is so much more that He desires to do. And yet we fail to believe He can or will today. Why? He did it before, he's doing it again, he did it again, and they ate to their fill. And, and notice that Jesus asked them what they had, what they had, what do you have in your hands? And then he multiplied whatever it was that they offered. We have these seven loaves, and, and they offered the seven loaves. He, they had the few fish, and they offered the few fish. And he multiplied that, and then told them to go give what he has multiplied You know, this is just a lesson for us. As a church, we ought to never hold back. Always be generous with ourselves. Because as we are generous with ourselves in serving the Lord, what the Lord will do is, He may have, I don't know, 20 sitting right outside the doors. Maybe 30, I don't know. Or maybe just 5. But whatever it is, however many people he desires to bring in, we should be ready with what we have come alongside them and allow the Lord to use us to be the means and the instruments to bless and glorify the Lord, giving of ourselves to each other. He'll always be faithful to do that. What do you think you do with what the Lord has entrusted to you? You know, I I don't know the author of this, but I I saw this, and I shared this with my wife, Bettina. Um, I I saw this caption, and it said this, When God blesses you financially, don't raise your standard of living, raise your standard of giving. Have you ever heard that? I, I just... I guess I have, I don't know, been turned a blind eye to it or something. But I just saw that and I thought, wow, I have to do a little screenshot and save that. But I thought, how wonderful and how true and how convicting. You know, we can do this with, with ourselves. Again, when God gives us greater understanding, uh, when he builds, up, builds us up in him, in, in our understanding of God's word, we should give ourselves even more to each other in serving him. Whether it be children's ministry, whether it be ushering men's, women's studies, uh, Bible fellowship, in different areas, you can participate and give of yourself. Don't hold back. Be generous with yourself. And so Jesus was teaching them to have faith in him. Believing that what is impossible with man is possible with him. And to do what he has called them to do with what they have. Jesus always provides what is necessary. But Jesus is also, as we are going into this, teaching how to discern the fake and avoid what is not true. Jesus' miracle and then the Pharisees' hypocrisy. He wants his disciples to know when to act in faith, and when and how to exercise discernment on rejecting that which is false. Verse 11, as we continue, says, The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now, these Pharisees came for the express purpose of arguing with Jesus. That's all they came to do, to oppose Him. They were prideful and they thought they knew more than Him. Even testing Jesus, or in other words, tempting Jesus to show them a sign from heaven. The details, of course, of this argument are not given, but the intention of their heart is revealed. It's just to confront Jesus. They were there to oppose the Lord and not to learn from him. Or be, or even show a sincerity in their inquiry of whether he was true or not. They weren't there to, okay, we're going to investigate this a little bit more. Let's see if, if his claims are true. Let's see if he's true. If he's truly the son of God. They weren't there for that. They were there simply to just, just argue, to oppose him. In fact, they were basically telling him this. If you're, if you're the son of God, then have some sign from heaven just come about. You name it. Fire from heaven, lightning, open up the heavens, let us see the heavenlies. Isn't that what Satan did with Jesus. And his minions are doing the same thing. You know, they do the same thing today. The very same thing. Prove that you are the Son of God. Their disbelief and their aggression caused Jesus to sigh deeply. The enemy. simply refused to give a sign to them at all he knew their intentions listen i that's one area for me that's really sensitive because i i know a lot of people they're looking for signs you know you know when you start talking open doors closed doors i understand those and i really do i really do But God has given us His Word in discernment, according to His Word, and we're either obedient or we're not. That's it. Period. Because here is if we keep on requiring of the Lord, show me a sign, please. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. He's like, man, I've already spoken to you. I don't know. I don't know what kind of understanding do you want? It's all. It's laid out right here, and you want another sign to figure out whether. You want to do something that's of the flesh or of the world or something that's of him or even simple things as far as like even the ministry. Be faithful to the ministry. Don't be faithful to the ministry. You know, it's like. What, what is there to question there? Right. Be obedient to being baptized. Don't be obedient to being baptized. I need to pray about this. Okay. Listen, sign seekers, and I bring that up because it's true, you guys know, we, 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 we do, it's like, okay, so you know, and I'm going to go through it. You know what the Bible says, and yet that's what I'm talking about. Why do you have to pray? Just be obedient. We're going to show some examples too. Listen, sign seekers are easy to fool, and that's what really gets me. I I don't want us to be sign seekers. I I don't. Because sign seekers are easy to fool by the enemy because he can also mimic and make people think they're seeing something of God when it isn't of God. In, In 2 Corinthians, in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, and what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. False teachers. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness their end will correspond to their deeds. John chapter 20, verse 29 says, Jesus said to him, That is, Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Listen, Jesus doesn't perform miracles in order to prove himself to those who demand a sign. Their motives oftentimes are with bad intentions and not good. Jesus condemned the generation that seeks a sign. And then notice what Jesus did. He didn't spend much time with them. He simply left. That was it. He sighed. He said what he said. And then he left. Now, in verse 14, now they had forgotten to bring bread. They had only one loaf with them in the boat, and he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they be- began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? <laughs> do you not yet be- perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? It was common in that day to leave a, a little pinch of the previous um, Dough that was used to make bread to, in order to leaven the, the new lump. Just a pinch, just a little bit. And just a little leaven would leaven the whole lump. The whole thing, just a little bit. And so, these first two verses here, verses 14 and 15, were in reference to that. And they didn't get it. Jesus was warning his disciples of taking any of the leaven from the Pharisees. None whatsoever. What leaven? Well, we read a little bit. Their false teaching. Their false prophets. Making themselves appear as and sound like they're genuine and sincere. And yet, they're far from it. Jesus had already pointed out much regarding their traditions and their religious practices that did not coincide with Scripture. He already told them all of that. He also was warning them of the philosophies of the world system as He said, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Especially when religion and government come together beware but the disciples didn't get it and so again they turned their attention to the one loaf of bread they forgot to bring the seven baskets perhaps and or just one of them and so they had one loaf of bread uh, bread forgetting to bring more and Jesus interrupted them to the to point out That they still did not understand. And this was a rebuke by Jesus. He rebuked them. Perhaps they would get the lesson regarding the leaven later. But now he just confronts their lack of understanding. And reminds them of what he had done previously. By the way this is what Jesus does with us. This is what the Lord does with us. He's trying to teach us something in the moment. And we don't understand. We don't get it. But he doesn't miss. He doesn't skip a beat. He'll go on, okay. Now now instead of teaching you what I wanted to teach you and deepen your understanding of this, I have to go back to to remind you of what I've already done. And that's what he was doing. The warning about the Pharisees' hypocrisy quickly turned to a rebuke of disbelief of the basic things of our faith. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So, in reading that, we gain an understanding hey, listen, just because we have been Christians for a number of years does not mean that we are know it alls, we have everything figured out. In fact, we could have repeated the first grade over and over and over again. You understand what I'm saying? The very the same things that you were so passionate about in the first year of your faith, you were, you, were, you were pumped up. You were fired up. You were all about going to Bible studies and growing in the Lord. You were reading your Bible on a daily basis. You had tons of questions. And then something happened. You just, you yourself started a compromise to the point to where you're no longer reading, no longer studying, you're not drawing close to the Lord, and you just have basically a a first-grade knowledge of Christianity. That's it. And then you're trying to apply that to everyone around you that's in sixth grade or tenth grade or college graduates. You know, they've gone on, right? And you're still stuck there. Listen, we can... Understand where we are. And at that point, confess, repent, and pick up. Because we can, you see, this is accelerated. This, is, this all depends on you. You can go from first grade to 12th grade in a short period of time. Because you just give yourself to studying God's word and understanding and applying it to, to your life in different ways. And you can grow quickly. It's all up to you but the Apostle Paul, as he wrote to, in, in Hebrews, let us not be those who are still on milk, but let us go on to the solid food. But we need to be students of the word. If we fail to understand, then we too will lack discernment and will be susceptible, you see, to, the, to being fooled by the hypocrisy of those who are false and taken uh, by them down a path of destruction. And Jesus does not want that. If you ever wonder if you're being taken down a path of destruction, just ask yourself, is this the will of the Lord according to his word? It's all you have to do. It's a simple question. Jesus' miracle, the Pharisees' hypocrisy, and, and lastly, a blind man's healing. Verse 22, as we continue, says, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he said to him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. So upon coming to Bethsaida, and by the way, this is in the north uh, area of Galilee, All of this is taking place up there. Um, Upon coming to Bethsaida, Jesus is presented with his blind man, and the people are begging him to to heal him, to touch him, heal him. They wanted to see this man healed on the spot. Another miracle, please, Jesus, we want to see this again. But Jesus did not heed their words, their requests in the moment. He didn't do it the same way. As he's done it in the past, you see, Jesus took this man by the hand. He led him outside the area of the village, the town, and he spit in his eyes, laid his hands on him, and then asked, "Do you see anything?" Now, Jesus knew if this man saw or did not see. You know who was around him? His disciples. They were seeing this. This was more than a healing. When, when you experience things, when you know of things going on with friends, with brothers and sisters in Christ, and you see the Lord working, it's also for, for the benefit of you as well. Listen, this was more than just a healing that was being performed, but also an example of what was happening with the disciples in their faith. Think about what we just went over previous to this. Initially, this man just saw forms. He says, I know they're people, but they, they seem they appear just to, like, like trees, just forms. I, I, couldn't, I, I can't make them out. I, I, don't, I can't see the details of them. But he knew they were moving. But then as Jesus continued and laid his hands on him once more, he saw everything clearly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 9, it says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways." For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And then in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. You see, as we draw closer to the Lord by reading his word, studying his word, and then practicing his word, we gain greater understanding discernment we sharpen our discernment we understand we we know what wisdom is we see jesus more clearly and we see things more clearly and we hope and express our faith more deeply jesus miracle the pharisees hypocrisy and a blind man's healing you know i had I'd said that this is an example of ex- exactly what was going on with the, with the disciples. As, as we see, it was, as we saw here, Jesus was being patient with his disciples, even shifting from their lack of understanding to addressing their lack of understanding, reminding them of the things that he's already done. I'm not even talking about that, but now I have to go to that. They were slow in understanding they were in a way like this blind man to where they had been touched by the Lord. They had come close enough, but, but they saw forms, but they couldn't see the details. And he was patient with them. This is what, this is what I want to lay out very clearly to, to you as the Lord has laid it all out before us. He's very patient. Just when you gain understanding... Praise the Lord and go on from there. But be in the moment and learn from your failures in the moment. Be given to. Seek to understand what he is trying to teach you. Because he desires that we do grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And trust him not only as Savior but also as Lord. To follow him each and every day of our lives. Is our faith still lacking? Not understanding the basics of our faith. Jesus desires. That each and every one of us draw near to him. And learn from him. Jesus said and I'll leave you with this. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He indeed is good. He is patient. He's compassionate. And wherever you are with him, he desires to meet you right there and then help you grow in your faith. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your patience, for your mercy, for your grace. Lord, we thank you that you certainly will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Lord, help us to Be like you. To reflect that in our very own lives. That we would be trustworthy. We would be loyal to you. That we would be faithful to you. But we would also, Lord, be compassionate. That we would be patient. That we would be humble toward each other as well. For by this all people will know that that we are your disciples by the love that we show, we demonstrate toward one another. And so, Father, help us to do that. Forgive us of our sins. If there's anyone who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that perhaps even today, if there's someone that has not been, has has come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and has not been pap- baptized and has not signed up or anything for today's baptism, and if if you're stirring their hearts to be obedient to do that very thing, then I pray, Lord, that they would do that. They would simply come forward and bring you glory by being obedient. And anyone who has not surrendered their lives to you, may today be the day of salvation, completely surrendering to you, knowing that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, Thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your love. In Jesus' name we pray.